welcome to this week's Daily Info Oxcast. It's Wednesday the 6th of April and we've got uh, loads of interesting events coming up over the next week that we're going to be chatting about. I'm here with Mike and Michael today. Hey guys. Hello. How's it going? Uh, Mike, what are you going to be talking about today? Well, a couple of interviews that uh, Katie's done this week and I'm also talking about a scavenger hunt around Oxford. Intriguing. Michael? And I've got a writing competition, a medieval banquet, no less, and some interactive theatre. Well, to go with your medieval banquet, I've got some sword trading <laughs> and a couple bits of cinema. Uh, first of all, though, just to mention our Folk Weekend Oxford competition that we're running at the moment. We're going to be closing it on Friday and uh, for a chance to win a pair of weekend wristbands to Folk Weekend Oxford, you just have to try and figure out what the different folk instruments are on the page. There's a link from the homepage on dailyinfo.co.uk. It's very exciting. It's quite difficult, actually. It is for... We should we should really we should really know these things. They were the most obscure ones we could find. I mean, they're Googleable, so yeah. it's not that hard. But interesting. Uh, anyway. Offhand, I couldn't have I've identified them. And we are releasing a special edition of the podcast on Friday that is all about the folk weekend and what you can find. And we've chatted to some musicians and got some music, and it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for the Morris dancers. I think they're my favourite. They're just absolutely everywhere for the weekend. You can't miss them. Before we get to the events, though, we've got a bit of a announcement of something that people might be interested in that's coming up in the next few weeks. Michael? Yep, so there's a writing competition that's active at the moment. Uh, last year, uh, Local Peeps Bombus Books, Latin for Bumblebee, um, they published a, yeah, exactly, <laughs> published a collection of short stories based on the journey and passengers of the number 13 bus, which passes just a stone's throw away from Daily Info HQ on its way from the railway station to the JR. And uh, this venture was so successful that they're publishing again this year and welcoming submissions from everywhere. So I say the X13, do you think that counts? I'm pretty sure that counts. <laughs> it would have to be. If, if you turn in something of, of great quality, they'd have to be very mean to turn it away. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe they'll just use it as the excuse when it's terrible and they don't want to include it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't take the X13. There, there might be. <laughs> Aside from being a lovely scenic route through Oxford, it ends up at the JR Hospital and the competition and sales of the, the book will be going to the hospital charity called the Hidden Heroes Appeal, which will provide additional specialist training and staff development and motivational staff recognition programmes. Yes. So it'll be a yes, good so cause and a chance to get published for any budding writers then? Yeah, your prize for being excellent is publication in the new book with at least 15 winners guaranteed to see their story in print. All this in itself would of course be podcast worthy, but also at the Oxford Literary Festival this weekend, uh, there's a Q&A workshop about how to apply to be part of this uh, second book. So yeah, perfect event and opportunity for you if you're an aspiring local writer. So this is the Lucky 13 writing competition, um, submissions are welcome until the 31st of May and the Q&A session is this Sunday, the 10th of April, at Blackwell's Marquee at 12 noon. Now, for anyone interested in learning some 17th century reenactment sword fighting... Which is everyone. I have the event for you. On Thursday evening at Cuddlington Band Hall, the River Rogue Pirate Reenactment Group, who I want to be a friends with, <laughs> I think, uh, are going to be having a sword training session. It costs five to seven pounds. I assume the swords are provided... And everyone should go along. That's all the information I have about it. But, I mean, that's all you need, right? That's all you need, yeah. Yep. Have you sword f- fought before? Trained in sword I fighting? I went to a couple of fencing lessons when I was at school. It's, it's much harder work than you'd think. Really? It's quite tiring. I can imagine. Uh, and you're wearing loads of clothes, so you get boiling hot. But I was in Bangkok House, the Thai restaurant on Hyde Bridge Street once. And while we were sitting down having dinner, 
one of the waiting staff was just in the back doing this almost like Tai Chi with a samurai sword thing. It was awesome. She looked like a ninja. Whoa. That wasn't a food preparation technique? That no. Don't know. <laughs> wow. Some greatly sliced cucumbers or something. So you should go to Bangkok House when it's really quiet so that she doesn't have to be working and she can do practising her sword stuff. So this week, Katie has been talking to a couple of people. One of them was Catherine Fletcher, who is an associate professor at Swansea uh, in history and classics. But she's just written uh, yet another book called The Black Prince of Florence, The Spectacular Life and Treacherous World of Alessandro de' Medici. Well, this is one of those stories where you start off thinking, could that really have happened? The story about Alessandro that's been told for um, really several centuries now is that he was the mixed race son of a slave who somehow became Duke of Florence. Now, it's one of those tales where it's actually very difficult to get at the truth, but it's also one where possibly this truth is indeed stranger than fiction. Um, Alessandro de' Medici did indeed become Duke of Florence, and it seems quite likely that his mother was a slave, or at least a number of people close to the situation believed that that was the case, whether it was true or not. So what I've done with the book is to write, on one hand, a biography of somebody who's a Renaissance prince. So it has all the things that you would expect from a tale of the later Italian Renaissance. And so there's political intrigue, there's sort of the ghost of Machiavelli kind of haunting the book. There is a lot of stuff about art commissioning, about this very luxurious court lifestyle. But then on the other hand, the thing that's perhaps a bit different from the conventional Renaissance narrative here is that we have this element of race and we have stories about slaves in Italian Renaissance society, not just the woman who was Alessandro's mother, but also other people who we encounter going through the story. And it's been really fascinating for me finding out about that dimension of Renaissance history that perhaps has been more hidden up to now. It's interesting from researching your work so far, the fact that Alessandro was illegitimate, seems to be of more significance than his race. Yes, exactly. And I think in the period, in the the period that we're talking about, I think questions of status, so rank in society, legitimacy or illegitimacy, um, whether you are low-born or high-born, the nature of your aristocratic blood or lack of it, seems to be the thing at the forefront of people's minds. The fact that he may have had one African grandparent doesn't seem to be quite so prominent. The thing that his enemies, you know, really try and use against him is the fact that his mother is said to be a slave. And even the ones who don't say that talk about her being um, low-born, a servant, a country girl and so on, somebody who's really not very suitable um, from their point of view. So, yeah, and this is also a period when the modern ideas of race are still only really coming into existence. I mean, it, it's not until the 17th century and the real um, you know, consolidation of the Atlantic slave trade that you get the you know, sharper division between the, you know, the idea of there being black people and white people. I mean, nobody talked about white people in the 16th century. That wasn't a concept that existed. Mm. So trying to work out a way of telling this story while being true to the concepts that people used in the period was also quite a challenge. If you want to hear more from Catherine, then listen to the Oxcast Extra. She'll be talking about how she was a historical consultant on Wolf Hall, the new Medici TV series and her new work on Renaissance gun culture in Italy. So go and hear a talk at the Oxford Martin School on uh, Friday at 12 noon for £12. OK, if you fancy eating out this weekend but think you've exhausted all the options in Oxford, um, 
Think again. Think again, <laughs> especially if you fancy going old school. Um, how much more old school than a medieval banquet um, being hosted at the Vaults and Garden this Friday. It's billed as a feast, gig and party. Um, I'd definitely book in advance if possible. Um, it looks great. The musical atmosphere comes from folk trio Princes in the Tower. You have, <laughs> you saw them earlier, have that perfect medieval combination of looking kind of jovial and also confrontationally miserable at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> medieval people were not happy, were they? It, I can imagine why you wouldn't be. They were just always if, on edge, I think. <laughs> Fair enough, you know. Uh, just always expecting someone was going to kill them. Life, yeah, life expectancy. Could well be invaded at any time. Yep, was pillaged or something. Mm. So why not enjoy the best bits about the medieval period while also having normal life expectancy uh, <laughs> of the period? So they're going to be in costume, um, and although the event doesn't specify, I think it'd be a, a pity if the revelers don't dress up in period costume. Oh, well. terrible. Yeah. Um, What's on the menu? The menu is so exciting. Possibly also because we're all quite hungry at the moment, <laughs> waiting, waiting to have lunch. But I'm just going to read you everything that's on the menu, because <laughs> it sounds great. For a starter, would you go for a medieval flatbread from ancient grains, served with either celeriac, lovage and wild garlic soup, or uh, wild boar salami, air-cured venison and smoked sea trout? Ooh. Oh, I do love Beef. meat. Oh. Main course, roast guinea fowl with barley risotto, short rib of pasture-fed beef. Mm. Roast pumpkin and misspelled vegetable stack with <laughs> <laughs> vegetable stack <laughs> with goat curd and pre lentils. Uh, finally, the dessert is a rhubarb and berry compote with oatmeal crumble and custard, or farmhouse cheeses with damson jelly and biscuits. I want all of the courses, all options of all of the courses. Mm, that maybe maybe you can get around that somehow. <laughs> well, how do you think you would lay out a medieval table? I'm imagining a giant pig with an apple in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. I think it should be a, a huge buffet yeah. and then a free-for-all. With dogs eating the bones. Mm-hmm. Throw them off you. Um, yes, this is Oxford's one and only, possibly, medieval banquet at the Vaults and Garden this Friday at 7.30. Uh, tickets are £35. Sounds worth it. Take your own tankard. <laughs> <laughs> if that has got you in the spirit for exploring and general pillaging, then... <laughs> <laughs> no, so maybe the Rotaract scavenge hunt is for you. Uh, Rotaract are a local community organisation that organise lots of things. Uh, this is in support of Oxford Your Mind, who are a very cool mental health charity. Great charity. Um, I don't know what the difference between a scavenger hunt and a treasure hunt is, but I bet there's a very important distinction. I reckon that what you find in a treasure hunt is better than what you find in a scavenge hunt. Really? Mm. Mm. Sounds like there's lots of rooting around. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. I mean, so well, maybe you just have to find a thing and then sort of mark it down on your card rather than, you know, pick it up and eat it. That seems... <laughs> like you would with the egg hunt or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is a bit like that. You get given a load of clues and you have a team of maximum of four. And it's then like you... orienteering. Like orienteering, yeah. Except you don't know where the things are. So mm-hmm. it's a fun day out of searching. But whoever solves all the clues the fastest wins a luxury hamper. Mm. Um, so yes, head down to Bond Square on uh, Saturday at 12 noon and that's £3 per person and again, teams of up to four. I love a hamper. I never <laughs> want a hamper. I'd love to. No, neither have I. Mm. You put medieval banquet stuff in it. All but the, all the, co- the contents of the, the hamper is much better if it's in a hamper than if you just get the contents. That's true. It's the rustic look. Mm. Yeah. Like cheeses wrapped in napkins. Yep. Oh, gingham. (laughs) (laughs) It's just something about gingham. Makes everything feel wholesome and right. And you're wearing it. 
Okay, I realise I'm entirely springing this on you, but have you ever tried to recreate scenes from your favourite films? Anyway. Or just tried to relive? I think we should set aside I think I've done try to do the Matrix thing and then fall on over backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that Matrix thing, yeah. It's hard to do in real life. I sometimes do scenes from Harry Potter and then throw things and smash glasses and stuff by accident. Are you not using your spells correctly? No. It's mm. I often try to move things with my mind like Matilda. <laughs> Just every couple of months or something I'll remember and then think, I wonder if I can now. <laughs> I still can't, so I can't say I've reenacted that, I've just tried. One day though, yeah. will you be able to share it with us when you do? Yeah, yeah, of course. I feel you might get too famous. Mm. And this could backfire. Um, we do advocate um, careful use of spells and... Uh, and magic at Daily Info. Yeah, I have memories of myself and my brother indulging in a bit of time travel and reenacting <laughs> scenes from Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> Which one were you? Everybody, of course, wanted to be Michael J. Fox. Um, but I think I. Were you Einstein? No, what? <laughs> Come on, if there's only two of us, I will, I will be Doc next. Okay. Um, and we like, made a clock tower of Lego because we were that cool. <laughs> um, That's very cool. Actually. Very strong commitment. Yeah. Thank you. I like to think so. Slightly related to this, there's a very fun-looking piece at the Burton Taylor Studio this coming week called Now Listen to Me Very Carefully. And if you can imagine the former governor of California with shades in his robot arm, maybe <laughs> you're getting warmer, uh, as to where we're taking this. So it's a theatre collective from Chichester. Uh, this piece is uh, Andy Roberts's Baby, really. Um, their signature kind of interactive theatre, and it's their kind of signature brand of interactive theatre. So this evening combines the story of his obsession with Terminator 2, as you probably guessed, um, a film which he's seen 238 times, approx. That's a lot of times. It's a lot of times. It doesn't even sound like an estimate, does it? (laughs) Um, It's the kind of nostalgia we can all tap into, even if that's not the commitment level we can all uh, relate to. Combining that with a recreation of scenes from uh, the film itself in which the audience is invited to take part. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe wondering <laughs> exactly exactly what the approach is. Uh, don't worry, uh, they won't be distracted by unnecessarily high production values. Um, Arnie is... Play- Seriously, it, it sounds like lots of, lots of fun. Arnie is played by a guy in silver spandex. Um, <laughs> John Connor occasionally by a photo of Edward Furlong so taped to a remote control car. <laughs> And the star's mum uh, seems to take part as well. Um, that sounds super fun. It, it does, doesn't it? Please look it up online if you're interested. Uh, now listen to me very carefully. Is at the Burton Taylor Studio uh, on Monday at 7.30pm and Tuesday at 6.30 and 8.30. Um, prices are £10 and £8 concessions. At the UPP on Tuesday, uh, Painting the Modern Garden, Monet to Matisse is going to be uh, showing at 6.30. This is a documentary exploring two exhibitions, one at the Cleveland Museum of Art and the exhibition currently running at the Royal Academy until the 20th of April. So the exhibition at the RA is going to be um, featuring, of course, paintings from Monet and Matisse, as well as uh, paintings from Klimt, Van Gogh, Renoir... And others. <laughs> it's a <dark. laughs> And what I like about these screened exhibition things is it means, well, first of all, it's much cheaper to go to the cinema than to go all the way down to London than go to an exhibition. But in this case, you actually couldn't go to the exhibition unless you're going to Cleveland. Oh, goodness, yeah. Um, so 
it should be pretty exciting. It's eight to twelve pounds, six thirty on Tuesday at the Ultimate Picture Palace on Jeune Street. Uh, the second of Katie's many interviews this week, um, she was talking to Rachel Johnson, who's putting on a new show at, uh, called Bridging the Void at the Pegasus. It's kind of a multimedia dance film production, but she talked to Rachel about what the show is really about. So what is Bridging the Void about? Uh, it's about sunrise. It combines dance, film and music and a spectacular lighting design. And it's an interactive show. So the audience enter into complete darkness and you're instantly part of the production. And then you're free to wander around and um, a projection of sunrise starts to build and there's light falls on you. So uh, you experience sunrise, the dancers experience sunrise and it's sort of a, a very interactive piece. Sounds very immersive. Yes, and then it builds and builds and builds to the final part, which is about the power and energy of the sun, so it's fire. And uh, it's much more pulsating and hypnotic and um, rhythmic. And what inspired the piece? Um, So I went to Arizona at a point that I suppose I was in quite a a dark, sort of unsure period, um, a void. (laughs) And then I saw sunrise and it was like just a moment of peace and clarity. That was sort of an experience that I wanted to bring into it. But it's very much individual to each audience member. So they respond to it in their own personal way how does it influence them and their own experiences and their own memories Um, and we found that when audiences have watched the show or participated in the show they've each got something really personal and that's what makes it so exciting and enjoyable if you'd like to hear more then check out the Oxcast Extra and find out how the show has evolved over time what the audience hopes to take away and what's next for the company so that is on Thursday the 14th of April at 7.30 and tickets are from £6 to 13 Finally, my cinematic pick for this week's podcast is Midnight Special, uh, which sounds a bit like something you get from an Oxford kebab van, to be honest, but <laughs> it's actually a film opening at the Phoenix on Friday. Um, it's also going to be the big screen film next week on Wednesday at the Phoenix um, that parents can bring babies along to. And it's a sort of, it's a genre-hopping sci-fi thriller, but lots of other things film that stars uh, Michael Shannon, Kirsten Dunst and Adam Driver Um, and it's about a father and son who go on the run after finding out that the boy possesses some kind of mysterious power that involves loads of light coming out of his eyes but I'm not sure what else. Is he Matilda? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like Matilda. Uh, It's directed by Jeff Nichols who directed Take Shelter and Mud and from the trailer it looks like it's got some early J.J. Abrams levels of lens flare which will be enjoyable to some people. No one likes seeing a film really anyway, does it? (laughs) Um, yeah, it's all at the Phoenix from Friday and it looks pretty good. For full cinema listings, uh, check them out on our website or on the printed sheet. And subscribe to the Oxcast, you know you want to, via iTunes or your preferred podcast provider and get it directly downloaded into your mind every week. For more regular updates, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to search Daily Info Oxford.